Uh, you know, it's one of those mornings where, well, now afternoon, where the Holy Spirit is so captivating our hearts. Now, I think worship, I could have just carried on worshiping for the whole morning. So beautiful. Thank you, worship team. Holy Spirit, thicken your presence. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. You're the Spirit of grace. We welcome you, Spirit of grace. You're the Spirit of the Father. We welcome you, Spirit of the Father. You're the Spirit of Jesus. We welcome you, the Spirit of Jesus. Ooh. We invite you to do <clears throat> whatever you want to do. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you lead us into truth. Uh, we want your truth, God. We want to understand the grace of God in truth. We want to apprehend it, lay hold of it, and comprehend it because we've looked at it and we thoroughly understand it, not information. <laughs> so, so fill us, Holy Spirit. Spirit of truth, we welcome you to speak your truth into the deep places of our hearts. Thank you that you reach every other part of us that nothing else can reach. There was this advert for Heineken beer in England a while back, and it was Heineken reaches the parts of you that no other beer can reach. <laughs> what a load of rubbish. But Holy Spirit <laughs> reaches the part of you that no one else can reach, am I right? Am I right? Oh, well, so good to be with you all today. We are uh, in a little mini-series on the grace of God, Duncan. I, I kicked it off a couple of weeks ago. Duncan preached last week. Um, and it's a great message on uh, God's grace and His love and His affection. And, and I'm gonna carry that going. I want you to turn in your Bibles to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse 10, you know, it's while I'm just kind of returning to it, you know, we love the Word of God. We love the Holy Spirit moving and we love the Word of God. And I love how the Holy Spirit leads us into truth. And, and this morning we're going to be looking at the, in the Word, but it, it, it's not for information. It's for revelation. It's not for our heads. It's for our hearts. It's for our souls. It's setting us free. So my prayer this morning, this afternoon, is that we, all of us, myself included, as I'm preaching, we hear the truth and it sets us free. So 1 Corinthians, did I tell you 1 Corinthians 15? Okay, I'm good. So uh, I wanna read from verse one to 10. So now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. Remember, we receive grace that saves us. We stand in grace and we are being saved by grace. It's the dimensions of grace. It's grace from the beginning. It's grace in the middle. It's grace in the end. And the grace of God is his affection 
and his love towards us. It's, the word in Greek means to lean in. Remember that? So, you know, it's the, God, what that means is that the grace of God is he's favorably disposed to us. He's always leaning into us to pour out his love upon us. He wants to lavish his goodness and his love upon us. And he ultimately did that through Jesus dying upon the cross. Jesus' death and, well, his incarnation, his death, his burial and his resurrection. Unless you believed in vain, by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. He died for you and I. He died to make a way for us to be forever united, fused, glued relationally to the Father and to Him forever. He died for our sins in accordance with Scripture. The Bible says that while we were enemies, God died, for, Christ died for us. While we were haters, while we didn't love Him, while we had nothing to do with Him, He died for us. That's the grace of God in truth. That He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And when He was raised, we were raised because he became one with us on the cross. And when Christ died, we died. When Christ was buried, we were buried. And when Christ was resurrected, we were resurrected. And when Christ was ascended, we were ascended. And when Christ sat down at the right hand of the Father and was glorified, guess what? We were glorified with him. Paul says that we're now seated with him in the heavenly places. You have two addresses to the church that live in Durham, Raleigh, Chapel Hill, that is in heaven. And he appeared to Kephar, which is Peter, then to the 12, then he appeared to more than the 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, although some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Elsewhere, Paul says in Acts 26 that he was filled with rage and fury. In rage and fury, he was on his way to Damascus, having captured people in the synagogue and having tried to make them blaspheme, he says. He was filled with rage and fury. Doesn't sound like the, the great person that God is gonna use to bring the gospel to us. He was filled with rage and fury, but the grace of God arrested him. And he says, uh, by the grace of God, but by the grace of God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God with me. I love those three dimensions of grace. Paul says it's by grace. It's grace towards me and grace with me. And what's that? God says that what your past doesn't define your present and your future. Who you, what you've done in the past, what the things that you've, the mistakes that you've made, even the mistakes that you're currently making in the present doesn't define who you are, doesn't disqualify you from God's love. God's love is not a love that is uh, dependent upon our ability or inability. That should put a smile on your dial. That should put a smile on your face because what that says is that you actually can't make God stop loving you. My kids would, someone, sometimes they would say to me, you know, when I say that I love you, when they were young, they would say, yeah, well, you have to, you're my dad. Well, yeah, but I also get to. 
And not only do I love you, but I actually like you most of the time. And, um, and that's the Father to us. But Paul says, I am what I am. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace towards me was not in vain. And a couple of weeks ago, and then last week, we talked about how we actually don't need to achieve or um, work hard at being saved because God has saved us by His love and His grace. Now, we're going to work hard. Paul says, actually, he's saying later on in this passage, and we won't get to that this week, but he says, the grace of God towards me wasn't in vain. On the contrary, actually, grace caused me to work harder. But it was working from a place of grace, not working for God's affection. We'll look at that another time. But we've come to this place where who we are, you know, and I talked a couple of weeks ago about the big me and the little me. You know, the little me being the one that doesn't feel like they're worthy of anything. And the big me that wants to be the, you know, show off that I can do everything. Neither of those are actually the grace of God at work in my life. That's me either thinking small of myself or me thinking too much of myself. But grace is thinking of myself as the Father thinks of me. And so therefore not disqualifying ourselves and not shutting ourselves down and not thinking, ah, we're just never gonna make it. But Paul says this, he says, his grace towards me was not in vain. I love that. I love the fact that the, the direction of God's grace is towards us. And the implication of what Paul's saying is because God is love and because he's towards us, because he's for us, that which is coming from God to us, which is an abundant stream of, of grace that never ends, that which comes from God to us should come and achieve its desired effect. It should come and it should not be fruitless. What Paul, when Paul says in vain, you could translate that as, it didn't, as not bearing fruit. Is the grace of God bearing fruit in your life? I hope the answer is yes. But Paul, clearly what Paul's saying here is there is a, an opportunity that actually grace that is abundant towards us, which is the Father's love, it's in leaning into us, favorably, favorably disposed to bless us and to love us. That grace can be like water off a duck's back. It can hit us, but not penetrate us. It can be, in, in other words, it can be in vain that we can receive that grace, but because of the issues of our own heart, we'd actually never step in and walk in that grace, even though we live in grace. And so I wanna look at that this morning, uh, this afternoon, and I want us to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter six, so just a few pages, a few pages over. And Paul says a very similar thing. He's saying basically what we've just read is, look, the grace of God came to me without effect, you know, and it wasn't in vain. And then he says to, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1, he says, working together with God, with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you. In a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. God is an unlimited, limitless supply of love and goodness towards us. Every inclination, every intention of His heart is to bless us and to fulfill His purpose in us. It's not based on our own ability, our own effort, our own trying, but based upon His supreme love for us and His extremity of His love demonstrates for us by sending His Son, Jesus, to die in our place. He's taken all of our punishment. He's taken all of the wrath of God. There is none left for you and I to drink. 
Receive it. Live in it. Enjoy it. How do we, how can the grace of God in our lives be fruitless? Well, I think it can be fruitless when we fail to recognize God's grace and we fail to receive God's grace and we fail to apply God's grace. We get caught up, in other words, in our own mess. We get caught up in our own stuff. We get caught up in all the things that we don't have, all the things that we're lacking, all the things that we've done, all the things that we long for, all the things that we're looking for. And we, caught, we get caught up in this place of making it about me, myself and I. Every time we step into that place of it's all about me, we've actually stepped out of grace. And I, for one, don't want grace to be in vain. And it's the issues of our hearts that cause us to not be able to walk in grace. Yeah. And it can look like this. I blew it again. I can't believe I was gonna try really hard and I had this great resolution and I was gonna do and achieve this and I was gonna do this for the Lord and I just failed. I'm an idiot. I can't believe I did that. My word, what am I doing? Am I on this mountain again? A few weeks ago when I preached about the big me and the little me, uh, my Chester Kilstra, God bless Chester, I love Chester. He's Chester and Betsy were the founders of Restoring the Foundations, which is a heart healing ministry. And he said, came up to me afterwards and he said, you know, in such a sweet voice, you know, maybe we should have the big me and the little Murray integrated together. I'm like, I've been working on it. Yeah, I'm working hard. And then I had a prophetic word a few weeks, about a week later, and, and somebody said to me, you know, um, I see that there's, you operate out of this kind of bit of small thinking about yourself. I'm like, seriously? I thought I dealt with that. Am I on this mountain once again? I mean, I feel like I've been stuck on this mountain for about six years. And you know those moments where you kind of go round and round, but the, the, the challenge for most of us when we go round that mountain and when we come face to face with the issues of our hearts is that we actually put ourselves down or we get discouraged or we get angry with ourselves because we, real, we think to ourselves, we should be better than we currently are. Anyone experienced the should you should yourself? You shouldn't should yourself. Right, I must do, I should do, I have to. And for me, when I'm dealing with the issues of the heart, it's so often I can come to this place and I say, I think to myself, I should be better than this. I should have dealt with this. I should be able to do this by now. And every time I should myself, I step out of grace. I fail to receive the grace of God. You have to say that pretty carefully, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> I also fail to receive the grace of God when I operate out of my old nature, not out of my new nature. So the Bible says that now we're now seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. We have a new address. We have, we are now one with Christ. We are purified. We're standing holy and blameless and above reproach in His sight. We stand before Him in His presence, pure and spotless. There is a day when we will stand before Him, but we also stand before Him right now. And, um, but yet... We, you know, with the issues of the heart, when we do things like unforgiveness, when I actually, we've talked a lot about this from the platform, but about how, you know, when somebody does something to me that I don't like and I hold it against them, what I'm saying is I want grace for me, but judgment for them. 
I want mercy for me, but I want judgment for them. And, and when we do things like we get, that leads to bitterness, where we get angry about situations, where we get angry about our lot in life, where we, we're frustrated about the fact that we don't have this or that or the other, or, we, or we, you know, this person did this to us. And so we're angry about that. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Or same thing, receive the grace of God. And therefore a bitter root spring up amongst us. What does it look like? It looks like, you know, maybe you've met a person that, that 35 years ago, they were in a car accident. Or 35 years ago, a business dealing went wrong. And somebody stitched them up or somebody drove into them and their life changed and they stuck in that moment of time. Stuck in this place of this happened to me and it's basically cast a shadow over all of my life. And, the, and rather than dealing with it, they've let that wound fester and they've become bitter and angry and anybody that comes into their connection or contact with them gets slimed with that bitterness. Maybe it's, looks like gossip well, did you hear what the pastor said? Did you hear what happened? You know, they said this to this person. Did you hear that, that, that Murray? You know, he, he ignored that person on a Sunday morning. He's so unkind. And then murmur, 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 and whisper, 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 and soon everybody thinks that Murray's unkind. It's probably true, without Jesus. And all of a sudden, we've got a bitterness that's crept in. Maybe there's pride. Maybe it's like, I'm, I can do this on my own. Or, or maybe there's some, some uh, competition. I know all about competition. I've got two brothers. I'm better than you. you know? No, I'm better than you. And I was the youngest, so I wanted to be the best at the sport. Even though I was the smallest, I had to try the hardest because I wanted to be the best. And when I lost, I remember once losing playing cards and I cried my eyes out. I'm like, this is a card game, dude. But no, I was 13 crying my eyes out because I want to be competitive. Well, maybe there's some jealousy. It's the issues of the heart that partner with the demonic realm, that bring us out of the realm of grace, out of the realm of the supernatural power of God, out of the third heaven reality that we live in and bring us down into this place where we're actually caught up in tit for tat, caught up in anger, caught up in law, caught up in you need to pay, you need to be punished, caught up in I'm not worthy caught up in woe is me, caught up in rejection and self-hatred. All the while forgetting that God's saying, hey son, I love you. Hey son, I love you. I love you. And it's the issues of the heart that cause us to fall short of the grace of God when we think it's all about us or we think we're nobody or nothing. And what that does is it creates massive open doors for the enemy, the demonic realm, for demons to come and to attach themselves to us and to make our life even more miserable. It's not that they control us, but we give free reign and access as a landing strip for them to land and sow their lies and for us to swallow the whole lie. But we're living below who God's called us to be. By the grace of God, I am what I am, but that grace is not in vain. And so Paul's saying, don't, don't receive the grace of God. Don't let it come to you, but stay stuck in your emotions. Stay stuck in your past. Stay stuck in the, if you only knew what I had done, you wouldn't like me, Lord. And, and, and it only, or 
I have to somehow perform or be someone. You know, I remember Duncan yesterday, last Sunday, running, you know, trying to keep up, kind of trying to do the right thing, trying to pray, trying to worship, trying to fast, trying to witness, do all of those things to, uh, to gain God's favour. We already have God's favour. We do those things from that place. And so Paul's saying, look, don't let the grace of God be without vain to you. Receive it. There's two, at least, well, there's actually three words in the Greek for receive. There's a couple that I wanna focus on. One, this first one in, in 2 Corinthians chapter six is this. It's to receive in a welcoming way. It's to recognise somebody and receive them in a welcoming way. And, you know, I was reflecting as I was preparing this message on, um, you know, last year, our lovely Joanne, our, you know, one of our pastors, married the amazing Michael. And it was a great, great celebration. And, and all the church were invited. We had a big party here. And uh, I remember we had the dance floor and we had the best party of the year, right? It was so good. And, um, and uh, but I, you know, there was a moment when they were outside and we were all inside and then they came through the doors. They burst through the doors and all the, the people that were here were like, yeah, woo, we're so happy for you. Yeah, it's so good that you're here. So we're so celebrating what God's doing in your life. We're with you. What Paul's saying is receive grace in that way. Receive grace like you're happy to see it. Receive the love of God like you actually think that's a good thing. Receive it. Don't turn your back on grace and say, oh, well, I've done this and I've done that. I'm too far gone. You know, I've got, we've got some family members um, and some friends in Australia, you know, and when they're doing really well, they'll say, well, I don't really need God. And when they're doing really badly, they say, well, I'm too bad for God. It's like, no, 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 this is missing the whole point. The centre line is you don't, you don't need, you, you are in desperate need of God on both sides of the line. And the grace of God is here for you. So welcome, receive the grace of God in a welcoming way. And the tense is this, it's an ongoing tense. So basically what Paul, you could translate it this way. He says, we appeal to you to not now or ever receive the grace of God. Because the grace of God is a constant stream that's flowing to us and always available for our refreshment. There's never a moment where the grace of God is not flowing towards us in your life. Open the door to grace. Give the love of God a warm welcome. And Paul says here, we fail to receive grace because we fail to understand his favour. And the, the word favourable or favour in uh, verse two and uh, is, it's twice, it's actually a compound of three Greek words. And it, it basically means this, it's a high level of personal involvement and interest, active looking for and waiting and a being ready to give and receive. Let me illustrate that for you. So I, I love, I love uh, my Apple phone because it allows me to track my family members, not in a creepy kind of way, <laughs> right? Not in a check up on them and see. But you know, um, we, we've got three family members that don't live at home at the moment. Two at university and Hannah that's moved out. And, um, and one, one and Sarah at home. You know, what I love about that is that, let's say Izzy, she's coming back from Appalachian State. She's up there at university. And I know that she's coming. So what do I do? Well, I'm excited about her coming home. I've got this anticipation about the fact that she's gonna be coming and so I pull up my phone and I track her whereabouts. 
Not because I'm wanting to be creepy, but because with the moment that she arrives, I want to make sure I'm there for her. And this doesn't always happen, but you know, I, 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 you know, there were, you know, I'm watching. Oh, she's just gone past Winston Salem. Ah, she's at Greensboro. Oh, she's now got to the 540. Oh, she's on the 540. Oh, she's coming up six foot. Oh, she's in the neighborhood. And I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And then when, the, when I see a car, if I, you know, I remember a couple of times a car coming down and she either runs inside and gives me a really big hug or I go outside and I'm like, yeah, and there's this happy reunion. Or maybe another thought I was thinking, you know, a few weeks ago, it was chucking it down with rain. And Sarah, our youngest, coming home from high school. And, uh, and I thought, I'm, you know what? I'm going to go and meet her at the bus because I don't want her to walk her home in the rain. So I go to the bus stop and I've got my phone. I'm waiting. Oh, here, she's here. Okay, she's coming. Okay, here it is. Now the bus is coming. What am I doing? I'm waiting in an eager anticipation for her arrival. Why? Not because I don't love her, because I absolutely love them and I want to see them and I want to be there for them and there's an anticipation about it so when they come it's like wow it's so good to see you I love you it reminds me of the, the, the story that Jesus told in Luke 15 of the prodigal son where it's the father who's waiting for the son to come and it says while he was a long way off to see someone a long way away you have to be looking and it's the nature of the Father. It's His favour is upon us, is that He's looking for us, He's looking to us, He's looking, waiting for that moment, waiting for us to turn, waiting for us to receive Him. And He's got a high level of personal interest and involvement. He's looking, actively looking and waiting so that when we turn to Him, He runs out to us and embraces us and is so happy to see us. So full of joy and life because He loves us and actually likes us as well. And so that's the Father, His grace and His goodness in, expressed to us in Christ Jesus as He's looking every moment of every day for us to turn to Him, to realise now is the favourable time. Now is the moment that the Father's looking for us. Now is the moment that He's going to welcome us with open arms. Now is the moment that He's going to embrace us. Now is the moment that He's going to bring His salvation to us. That word salvation, such a powerful word. It's the welfare, the prosperity, the deliverance, the preservation, the salvation, safety. God is ready, waiting for us. And really quickly, this is grace's intended effects. We haven't got much time to look at it. But the first thing that grace does is salvation. Paul says today is the day of salvation. So our welfare, our prosperity. The second thing that he does in Colossians chapter 1, verse 6, we haven't got time to look at it. But Paul's saying that the grace of God in truth bears fruit and increases all around the world, even as it does amongst us. The purpose of the grace of God is to save us. The purpose of the grace of God is to bear fruit and increase within us. His desire is that we're fruitful. His, his release of His grace to us is that we bear fruit and increase. The third thing that grace causes us to do, and, and I love this passage in Romans chapter 5, verse 17. It says, much more, having contrasted that Adam, the sin and death came into Adam, came into the human race through Adam. He says, much more will those who receive, this, second, this is the second word of receive, which means to lay hold of, to grab hold of with a bit more active force. Grab hold, the, how, how much more will those that grab hold of the abundance of grace, 
not a skinny little amount, not just a moderate amount, but an abundance, a limitless supply and the endless supply of the love of God. How much more would those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness You are in right standing before God, not because of the things that you've done, but because God's given you a free gift of that. How much more will you reign in life through Jesus Christ? And what does reigning in life mean? Well, it doesn't mean everything goes rosy. It doesn't mean that everything's gonna be blessed that we touch. It doesn't mean that we have the minus touch. No, we can still have trouble. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble but take heart, I have overcome the world. And so reigning is about ruling over our internal world. So learning to rule over our insignificance, our self-hatred, our rejection, our performance, our jealousy, all of those things. It means to rule, to reign over the worldly influence coming at us. It means to reign over the enemy, the demonic realm, because we're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. It's when we take ourselves out of grace, we give ourselves free game. We make ourselves free game to not reign in life. But the Father wants us to reign in life. And then the fourth thing it does, and I'm sure there's more for that, but Titus 2 says that grace trains us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to say yes to righteousness and holiness. The grace of God is here for us. So every time we fall short, every time we blow it, every time we find ourselves around the mountain again, every time we fail, we, we think that we are in, uh, in deep and needing to sort ourselves out recognize, welcome, receive the grace of God. God is totally amped up about you and I. He's totally ready. He doesn't have, he doesn't need his iPhone to know where we are. (laughs) But he's waiting. He's there right for us. Even when we feel like we're around the mountain again, even when we feel like we've blown it, even when we feel like we've fallen short, welcome grace, take hold of it. One of my uh, favorite books is a book by a guy called Brother Lawrence who was a a monk in uh, one of the centuries, a few centuries ago, I forget which one off the top of my head. And, um, And his book was called Practicing the Presence of God. It's a really good book. But basically what he says in, is he, he as a monk was learning to practice being aware 24-7 of the presence and the closeness of God. To, to be able to live a life that was tuned into God and, and tuned into heaven and live in joy and peace. But his challenge was he wasn't always very good at it. Hence the word practice. But the key that he had for him was to remember, maybe he should start in the morning and spend five minutes contemplating and being in tune with the Lord and then get busy. And then four hours later, remember, oh no, I was meant to be you know, connecting with the Lord today and I've, I've forgotten it. If you're like me, I would think to myself in that moment, oh, well, tomorrow I'll do better. Tomorrow I've got another opportunity to sort it out. But his thing was, no, now. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, now is the favourable time. Now is the time for grace. Now is the time to turn. Not tomorrow. Not when you've sorted yourself out. Not when you've got your life together. Not when you've tried to to do certain things and, and get back in God's good books. No, now. When's now? When's now? Is now now? How about now? Is that now? How about now? Is that is that now? 
We live in the everlasting now of the grace of God. We live in the everlasting now. What we have to learn how to do is to open the door to that grace and allow grace to come in. To allow ourselves to be loved, to be tender with our weaknesses, to say to ourselves, yes, you know, I did blow it, but that's why God's grace is for me. To be tender with ourselves so that we don't have to feel like I beat myself up and I'm gonna, so that I can get myself back in order. Don't wait for tomorrow to receive grace. Don't wait till you've had your quiet time to the next day to kind of get yourself back in God's good books. Receive the grace now. Take hold of it now. Welcome it in a receptive way now. Lay hold of it now. Know that the Father is looking at you full of joy and delight now. And so for Brother Lawrence, you know, he would be practicing the presence of God and he would forget and then he would step right back in. He would remind himself, now it's by grace that I'm saved. Psalm 118 says, open up the door of righteousness. You have become the gate of salvation for me. Jesus is the gate. He's the grace of God expressed to us in Christ Jesus. He is the gate of salvation. When we find ourselves not thinking gracious thoughts about ourselves or about everyone else around us or even about God and his attitude towards us, open the door to grace because God has brought us into this place of grace. Open up for us the gates of righteousness. It's what the Father has done in Christ Jesus. You are holy and blameless and above reproach in His sight. And His love and His goodness is always focused upon you. And all of heaven's resources are available at your disposal because you now live in the heaven earth in the heaven realm. So I want you to take a moment, put your hand over your heart and just say, I am what I am by the grace of God. Jesus, let your grace to me not be in vain. I want you to take a moment, ask the Holy Spirit, where are the, where, what are your patterns of behavior? Where do you know in your own life that you fail to receive the grace of God? Maybe it's in the attitudes to yourself. Maybe it's in a, a something that you're struggling with, a behavior pattern. Maybe it's a sense of having to achieve or perform. Maybe it's some jealousy. What is it? Where do you find yourself? Unable to receive the grace of God. I'm gonna pray, Spirit of grace, would you come right now and demolish every wall, tear down every false thought, every stronghold, every lie of the enemy, and cast out every demonic power. Fill us with the spirit of grace, that we would live in the power of the everlasting now, of the limitless one. If you've been trying on your own, just ask the Lord to change that perspective. Some of us here, we feel like we're not sure that we've received that favor, the favor of God. 
because we look at our life circumstances and we say we struggle with this and we've got that and we've got this sickness or we've got that issue and we've got this relationship. But grace transcends all of those things. The love of God transfers, transcends all of those things. Now is the favorable time. The thing about favor is favor isn't fair. Favor isn't because you've earned it because that would be wages. Favor isn't because you've done the right thing so you've deserved it. That would be recompense for your time or your energy. No, favor's favor. Favor is the unlimited, unmerited love of God expressed to us. It's not fair. It's God's goodness. So ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Change your perspective. I want to invite you to stand, if you would, please. And I want you to take that area of your life where you've, you've said to yourself, I found it really hard to receive grace. I want you to think about that. And here's what I would like you to do. I want you to picture in your mind's eye, I want you to picture a doorway a gate. For some of us, the gate will be really rusty because we've become so well practiced at beating ourselves up and not receiving that grace that the door's got a bit rusty. For some of us, it'll be much easier. But Jesus is the doorway and the gate. Jesus, I'll see you to bring your grace into each life here. And I want you to picture yourself now, taking that door by the handle and opening it and allowing the grace of God to come in to that situation, to that sore point, to that sticking point, to that place in the mountain where you've so well worn out the tracks that you know exactly where you are. Open up this to the spirit of grace. We release right now the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of grace. We release angels that carry grace, great grace. That we would be a people that are tender with each other and are tender with our weaknesses. Step through the door. Experience grace. Let go of all the shoulds, have tos, musts, got tos. Let it go. Receive the power of heaven, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of grace Himself. Hmm. <laughs>